Brethren, I am thankful for every one of you who have added to my faith and that we have the opportunity to meet together with one another. That we, we actually have this opportunity to come to a place and gather with one another. I can tell you by experience that I have not been in a whole lot of places where this liberty in Christ is found and exercised the way it has been in this assembly. And even though I have looked for, I've looked for this, I've sought this out, and I continue to look for it. I'm not saying that other, I'm not saying that other places don't exist, but I am saying that people who actually live by faith and have any more than an elementary understanding of God are becoming exceedingly rare individuals to find in the day that we live in. I am convinced that this is due to the time we live in where a so-called church exists that majors on lesser things, majors on lesser promises. It's, it's, it's a church that never really gets off the ground. It's like a chicken that flaps its wings. It gets a few feet off the ground and then it, that's about it. It, it can never really get anywhere. It can never really soar over the tree, over the treetops like an eagle. See, there are higher things. There are excellent things. There are spiritual things. There's the truth as it is in Christ Jesus that God expects us to know. He expects us to understand. And He expects us as an assembly to promote. After all, the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. If the world's going to know anything about God, it's got to have to come through the church. That the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Not ought to be. Not should be. It is the pillar and ground of the truth. So if the, if, if the truth isn't being preached, it's not the church. Yet in many places, these truly important things, these excellent things, are often given very little precedence if they're even discussed at all. Instead, you'll find more often than not today that there are lower, lesser, and worldly things that are given the preeminence. Of course, that's not how they're presented. They are promoted as spiritual truth. They are presented with the sprinkling of a Bible verse here and there to support the message. The inferior things are presented along with the twisted Scripture as if they are the most important things that we can involve ourselves with. They are presented as noble. They are presented as profitable. And even the pinnacle of Christian living. For instance, many are emphasizing our relationship with one another rather than our relationship with God. I'm talking about an emphasis here. Yes. And, and if they do mention the relationship with the Lord, they do it in the sense that the end might be that we have good relationships with one another. Like that's the reason that we should know God is so that we can love one another. Like That's the emphasis. As if the only reason to know God is so that you can be a better father or a mother or a better employee or a better neighbor. As if the only reason to know God is for your benefit and for your life and not for His glory. There are messages that have become tailored to instruct the people how to live in the world instead of preparing the people to stand before God perfect in the judgment 
and ready to inhabit the world to come when they die. That's the emphasis. We're talking about an emphasis here. Their messages are more about making an impression in the community and in the world rather than making an impression in heaven. The people's earthly substance has become the emphasis rather than their spiritual substance. You can prove this. Just ask somebody invariably, how has the Lord blessed you? And see what kind of answer they give. They blessed me with a good car and a nice house and a nice family and and good health. And it's, it's a nice day today. Those are all great things. And we give thanks for all of those things, brethren. But that's not the emphasis of Christian living. That's not the blessings that we've been brought to in Christ. The Lord's come and He's given us an understanding. We can know God. We become a partaker of the divine nature. God's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. You're not guaranteed all temporal blessings. There's been some of your brethren have been sawn in half and have lived in caves and dens of the earth. They didn't, they didn't inherit all temporal blessings. But they had all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, and you do too. The focus is the things that are seen and not the things that are unseen today. The focus is what we should do and how we should do it, rather than who we should believe and what he is doing. And unbeknownst to the people, it has come at a great cost to them. What exactly is the cost of preaching worldly things as if they are the most important things? What's the cost of that? Well, it certainly won't cost you the approval of carnal, unregenerate people or your standing in the community, but it will cost you the approval of God and your standing in heaven. Preaching the things of the world doesn't transform and renew our minds. It conforms us to the world, something that we're told not to do. It cultures an appetite for the things of the world. And anyone who wants to love the world makes himself the enemy of God. Those who love the world do not have the love of the Father in them. The emphasis of earthly things, then, is always at the cost of eternal life. We're not against helping others. We're not against being good fathers and mothers. And helping the community. We're not against that. We're against teaching that that's the emphasis of the, of the ministry of the church. Anyone who's truly following the Lord has a life that testifies to it and how they treat others and what they prefer and how they live. We're not being, well, I'm not saying these things to be overly critical of our brethren. But when the wrong emphasis is preached, it's a critical issue. People's eternal souls are at stake here. When the promises held out to the people are not exceedingly great and precious promises, it's lethal. It's spiritually lethal. Because that's the only promises the real Jesus has actually given us. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. If the blessing promoted, I'm talking about emphasis, if the blessing promoted is earthly and not spiritual, then another Jesus is being promoted. Not the one seated at the right hand of God. Not the one that's that's given to us in the record that God has given 
of his son. Today we are exploring this blessed truth of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the great and precious promiser. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Those are spiritual things. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby, by which, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The promises given to us through the knowledge of Christ are so exceedingly great, so precious that they actually cause us to be a partaker a partake, what is a partaker? A partaker is, is a person who imbibes a portion of something with others. That's what a partaker is. We actively, by these promises, join in with the consumption of the nature of the Son of God. By these promises, we are, we are partakers of the Holy Spirit. We are tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. This is, an, this is an experiential thing. We're experiencing God. These promises cause us to come into a realization, into an intimate fellowship with the very nature of God in our measure. We're a partaker of the divine nature. They constrain us to press in. They make us want what God has to offer. They are like divine incentives for those who take hold of them by faith. They fill us with a, with a saving hope. They fill you with a hope that will save your soul. They're so precious that you will prefer them over the corruption that is in the world through lust. And the fact that you have forsaken those things, see... Because we have a better and enduring substance. The one, no one, see, nobody goes after what they are persuaded is the least profitable thing. If I had a hundred dollar bill in this hand and a ten dollar bill in this hand, which one would you take if I offered both of them to you? That's what's God, God's offering something better than the world has to offer. Even if we end up Having regrets. Even if we end up having regrets over something that we've chosen in the world, we all do what the best thing is that we, at the time, perceive that we should do. When you're persuaded of the promises of God, you will give your life for them. And you will never regret doing that. Amen. So just what are some of the things that Jesus promised Let's think about some of those things today. There are promises to those who will come. There are current promises to those who have already come and are living by faith. And there are promises of things that are soon to come that we have not yet obtained. And all those things are these great, precious promises of God. We, we were promised, the Lord held out a promise to us even when we were far off. 
He said, whoever comes to him will not hunger. And whoever believes on him will never thirst. See, he's holding this out to a dead and a dying world. This exceeding great and precious promise. There's a drawing in this promise to the soul who is weary of wandering and searching for satisfaction and searching for the truth and wants to know the truth. There's, there's consolation to be had in this promise. And, and, and don't you find that that was the truth? When you came to Christ, don't you find that that promise was, it came to pass. You were satisfied when you came to Christ. See, Jesus is the truth. Jesus doesn't have to say, I promise, and then, like men do. Men have to say, I promise, and then... He doesn't have to say those. He is the truth. Every His, his word is His promise. Here's another one. Whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. See, that's, that's held out to the entire world. See, Held out to the world. That's a powerful promise to those who are being drawn to God by Himself. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, these are He's, he's holding these promises out, brethren. He always holds out, Jesus always holds out an incentive to follow Him. If following Him requires that you forsake your family, forsake your friends, forsake your job, forsake your house, whatever it is, he's, he, 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 he leaves an incentive for you. Jesus promises He shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. See, that's, that's an incentive. We're talking today about Christ the Lord, the exceeding great and precious promiser. The people of God are not merely motivated by cold, rigid commandments. They, they are ultimately motivated by the promises of God. We're, we stand on the promises Amen. of God. Apes, it's, it's been like this from the beginning, brother. And Abraham was given a promise. See, and, and he had recompense to that, to that promise. He wanted that promise. And so, and so when God said go, he went. Because see, he was promised. Even Eve, she was, there was a promised seed that she was looking forward to. See, the, the people of God have been left with a promise. Granted that those promise, those promises were not the exceeding great and precious promises that we have in Christ. They were more tailored to the earth, although the promise that was given to Abraham is an exceeding great and precious promise in what God is doing in the salvation of mankind. Moses was given a promise. It says, it says that he had recompense for the reward. And so what did he do? He forsook the prominence of Egypt. He, he forsook that. Why? Because, see, he reckoned that the reward of God was worth greater riches, see, than the pleasures of sin for a season. Hey, he, he promises, Jesus promises a lot of things, brethren. He promises full freedom 
to those that He sets free. He says, whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. That's a promise. He's faithful that promised. You're free from sin. You don't have to sin anymore. You can say no and it's effective. He's promised a way of escape for every temptation. These, these are promises that we're realizing now in Christ. You're free from condemnation. You're 100% accepted in the presence of God, having the righteousness of God by faith. You're free from defiling influence and satanic control. You can be in places where you wouldn't have been able to be before, but if, you're in, if you have to pass through, see, if you have to pass through these straits, walking in the Spirit and by faith, they can't hurt you. See, the, de the deception loses its power in the light. Satan can't like make you do anything against your will anymore. Jesus promised these things are available to you in Christ. Free from the world. You're free from inordinate affections. You're free from the law. An external law is not necessary. See, God promised that He would write His law on people's hearts. He would take the stony heart out of their flesh and He would give them a heart of flesh. Have you experienced that? I can tell you I've experienced that. I want things that I didn't want before. I hate things that I didn't hate before. What happened? I, I came into the experience of God's promise. Now I know that anything that He promises up ahead, it's sure. He's already proven to me that He makes good on His promises. It's a sure thing. We have freedom to stand in His presence and walk in the Spirit to access all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You're free to explore the heights and depths and widths and lengths of salvation. You're free to receive the grace of God as much as you need whenever you need it. He's promised all these things are available to you. You're not, you might not be free from trials and hardships and persecutions and the pain of living in this present evil world. But one day very soon he's promised that the ultimate freedom from all of these things is just around the corner. And what has he promised just around the corner? What are some of the things that he's held out as incentives to live soberly and righteously in this present world? Well, he said that he who overcomes will inherit all things. See, currently you've been given a very little. And the little that you have doesn't really even belong to you. It belongs to God. Your life, your time, your money, your substance, it's just a drop in the bucket compared with the rest of the world. And it's the Master's. He's, he's gone away to a far country and He's left some talents. He's left you with a little handful of coin. It's the Master's talent. It belongs to Him. But when He returns and finds us faithful, we will inherit not just a few more talents, but cities. Cities. There is nothing that will not be yours in heaven. You will inherit all things with all the saints. You will never lack strength or power or resources or sustenance or wisdom. 
You will never be without any necessary thing ever again. You will never be found at a disadvantage. He will not only wipe away all tears from your eyes, He will enlighten them the more. You will taste of the hidden manna. You will partake of the things that are now hidden from us that will be made manifest then. Your joy will be full and your satisfaction will be complete. Your thirst will be totally quenched. You will eat of the tree of life. You will drink of the river of water. Your inheritance will be perfect and pure and undefiled and everlasting. And he's currently, it's currently laid up in heaven for you. He's promised. He promised. I've, I've, I've gone to prepare a place for you. He's currently preparing a place in heaven for all who believe. Jesus isn't limited by time. He's been given, Jesus has been, been given all the time that he needs to do the Father's will. He's not like pressed for time. He is all wise. He is all knowing. He is all powerful. All things are under him. He is not limited in his resources. He is not limited in his ability. In him the fullness dwells. He's been given all things. And all things were created by him and for him. The, the preparation is more extensive than just preparing where we are going. Rather, he is right now preparing all believers to enter into that place prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Every believer has, pre has prepared for them an inheritance that's undefiled and will fade not away, reserved in heaven for them. Your, your resurrection bodies are prepared for us to enter into that. Never again. Never again will it war against your spirit. Never again will the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit lust against the flesh. See, whoever's filthy, let him be filthy still. But who's ever clean, let him be. Let him be holy still. Let him be clean still. Let him be righteous still. That's a promise. God's going to do this. We will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. That now, see, now it's by faith. But then, it's going to be face to face. And whoever has that hope in them, what do they do? They purify themselves, even as He is pure. Why? Because then it's an exceeding great and precious promise that we're going to be like Him. If you are in Christ today, living by faith and pressing in, Jesus is making you ready for that time. Just as Joseph. Joseph was put in a position to provide for his people in Egypt after he had stored up the providence for them. And Christ now, he, he holds the ultimate vantage position. He's not just king over Egypt. He's king over all principality and power and dominion. He holds the ultimate vantage position. He's our captain and our forerunner and our representative, our great high priest, our intercessor, our mediator. He can effectively prepare this place for you. We were created to inherit all things. To inherit the... He's raised us up from the dunghill to inherit the throne of glory. It's an exceeding great and precious promise. Unto the angels has He not put in a subjection the world to come. But us. What manner of love. 
has the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. God has given the Son. God has given the Son all things. The Son has inherited all things. But see, we're joint heirs with Christ. We're gonna, if we suffer with Him, if you suffer with Christ, you'll reign with Christ. See, He's a, He's a promiser. He promised that if we overcome, we'll sit in His throne. Just as He's overcome and sat down at the right hand of God. See? We are going to judge the world with Christ. We're going to judge angels. But even more than that, we're going to reign for eternity in a land where only righteousness dwells. It's going to be a complete rest for us, brethren. See, God promised Israel a rest. He promised them. But Israel never entered into it. No one has ever entered into that rest yet. So guess what? There remains a rest for the people of God. We have been left with the promise of entering His rest. That's yours. If you're in Christ today, that's your promise. We're going to enter into His rest in its fullness. See, you have a foretaste of that rest now. You have like an earnest. You have like a down payment of the rest now. See, it... This rest, what does it do? It causes us to serve the Lord without sweat, doesn't it? In His rest, we realize that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Just as He said, just as He promised. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. We find that His commandments are not grievous. We, we want to do His will. That, just as He promised. There's a joy unspeakable and full of glory in the rest. Just as He promised. There's a peace that passes understanding in the rest. Just as He said. He's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. He said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. He promised that. He said, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. That's a promise. He said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That's a promise. He instructed the Apostle Paul that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. Jesus has promised he will not forget you. He will not forsake you. He will not fail you if you remain in him. Do you stick with Jesus and He will never fail you. If you make it your aim to live for Jesus and be found in Him, it is impossible for you to fail in that posture. He's promised. No one who trusts in Him will be confounded. You won't be put to shame. No one who trusts in Jesus is on that day going to say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. It's not going to happen. The people who are going to say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that are the people who didn't trust in Him. And they will say it. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It's just, it's best we do our bowing now. Not then. Not just then. No one who puts their trust in Jesus will regret that decision in the ages to come. We will find that what we had to go through for Christ is not worthy to be compared 
with what he, he will be revealed in us. He's promised he's coming and he's coming with a reward. Yes. He said, I, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. He's got it. You don't have it yet, but he's got it and he's bringing it and he's going to give it to you and he's promised and it's coming. He will confess those before the Father who confessed Him before men. Amen. He promised He's going to do that. Yeah. We live for that confession. I live for that confession. Mm-hmm. I want to be. I want Him to confess me before the Father. Yes. I want that. Amen. Every word of Jesus is the truth. His confession of you before the Father is going to be a complete confession. Just as our confession of Him on this earth was complete. We didn't just confess Him and say, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. We confessed Him with our lives. We trusted in Him. We held to His promise. We lived for Him. We died for Him. Those who overcome are going to get a white... So you're going to get a white stone with a new name on it. It's a precious and pure and permanent and personal new name that only you and God will know. I want to, I want to know my new name, brethren. I look forward to that. Now, how's that for an incentive to live righteously? How's that an incentive to live godly? See, these things remain fresh in our mind and they have to remain fresh in our mind. Tomorrow you're going to wake up and there's going to be something that's going to make you want, the devil wants you to forget this. Tomorrow there's going to come things and you're you're going to have to press in and renew your mind and and be stirred up to these remembrances all over again. A lot of these things that I've said, we know. We've heard it before, but we need to hear it again. We need to be exhorted daily while it is called the day, lest any be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. Men and brethren, please lend me your ear. The time is approaching and the end is drawn near. The Lord is awaiting His time to appear and that with your reward so precious and dear. The faithful Lord Jesus, the Christ, did declare it. And our brother John, he did write and he did share it. These all things prepared that you're soon to inherit. But as now we fare, it's not readily apparent. For now the time of fighting's at hand, and now there are giants still high in the land. But do not forget His great promises so grand, a promise that's keeping you strong as you stand. That all things are given to those who overcome, all things of the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. All things eternal and all things to come, all things joined together, all these things are in one. All things lovely and all things new, all things innumerable and not small or few, all things perfect and holy and true, all things laid up in heaven for you, all things of knowledge to be understood and all things that are righteously and wonderfully good, all things pertaining to life as they should, all things in his, if in his great promises you've stood. All things of treasure and full without measure and all things at his right hand are a pleasure. All things forever and ever and ever. All things of kindness and kinship together. 
All things are glorious and all perfectly clean, and all things refreshing that you can drink from the stream. All things a blessing will fall upon thee, and all things a resting that is calm and serene. The all things flowing from God on the throne, all things will be yours to call them your own. All things prepared in your heavenly home, all things in your hope will be finally known. This is the truth and it must be heard. Oh, please don't forget this blessed, wonderful word. Speak of it often and let yourself be stirred because the fighting's not effective when the promise is obscured. All things God is making new, there's everything within your view. Your treasure that's accrued, the promise, it belongs to you. And when this temporal life we see comes to an end, when the troubled sea is passed away, the reigning will begin. All things currently may not be underneath your feet, but of those of us in God we trust will overcome defeat by our precious testimony and his precious blood so sweet. Jesus told us clearly in his throne we have a seat. There's no investment you can have in this fallen earth that pays any return at all of this eternal worth. For things gained here are only cursed. Oh, this is why we long and thirst. For we are saved by such a promise, such a hope, burning brightly in our vision, in our sight, and in our scope. For you will overcome with the Savior in your yoke, clinging to every word and the promises he spoke. And then he descends with the trump and with a shout. So keep your eyes up high beyond the skies, beyond the clouds. For today's the day he may come down from that high and holy mount. Thank you, brethren.